Is that loud enough or I need to turn up? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's fine. That's way better. You're not sure? clipping, right? You're going to talk louder. That's what he usually does. Asshole. Fuck you, AJ! Gotta be the loudest person in the room. And you will hear everything that I have to say to every (laughs) word that I have to say. I have a microphone, and he has a microphone, and he has a microphone. microphone. This whole section is (laughs) because my little red dot's gone off like eight times. You guys have dots? I don't have red no, dots. No, I do. I got a dot. He's got a nicer interface. I don't, I'm not using my new one. I'm using my old one. No. Hmm. I got that plot of money. Huh? <laughs> it was a joke, Amber. We're not yelling at each other. She just walked in the door <laughs> like, are you guys okay? What's going on? Didn't you just start? Didn't you just start? You guys are doing this again oh already? <laughs> She opened the door with a look in her face like, you okay? <laughs> Behind the scenes of podcast recording. Alfredo, I cannot oh take God. this again. <laughs> I will not be party to this. can we be friends? No. <laughs> can we be friends? Welcome to the Rhythm Pyro Podcast. We're Posey, AJ, and Jamie. Ignite your passion for pyromusical show design while testing the very limits of your capacity for stupid. Welcome to the Rhythm Pyro Podcast. I'm Bo. That's AJ. Hola. And that's Yeme. Yeah. Yeme. <laughs> we're hobbyists and semi-professional pyro show designers. We're big fans of the modern pyro musical and our little podcast is a place where we can get together, talk, shop, fireworks, art, share tips, tricks, news, and insights with you. I got hung up on that first comma again. It's the beer. It, I Probably. <laughs> Likely. The ice. Likely. There's no ice in the beer. You don't put ice in beer. <laughs> yeah. Apparently you do. You know why? Exactly. Because I can't get it out of the freezer. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, gentlemen. How are you? Not too bad. And yourself? I'm okay. Uh, Wish I had ice. Wish I had ice. In my soda, but not in my beer. This is not a podcast subject. (laughs) (laughs) It really makes me mad, though. Because, you you know. know, everybody says that they wish... Things engineered in the United States were, you know, like the, the things should be here, you know, things should be here and they, they should be of the utmost quality and, and all this kind of stuff. And I'm quite certain that Whirlpool engineers in the United States, I know GE does, but regardless, I can't tell you how many times I've walked up to that fridge and tried to get ice out of it. And when you clear it is it just goes everywhere. Ice goes all over the kitchen floor. As soon as you get it cleared, it just dumps and it's terrible. Hmm. I'd have to take a look at it. Okay. But well, I, come agree, on. I, I agree with you on that. There's a lot of things that every time you do something with something, you're like, really, you can design a missile to hit from one side of the yeah. United States to the <laughs> yeah. other side of the world within like four inches of where you wanted it to be. But you can't design this to make it work correctly. You can take an enchilada gotcha. off of AJ's head <laughs> from. 10,000 miles away, but you can't engineer an ice cube out of a hole. Speaking of that accuracy, we can't have fuse last, you know, one second to one second. 
Yeah, well, we don't <laughs> manufacture that. Honestly, we probably should, considering the quality would be just as bad. Apparently. Yeah. Uh, I got to watch what I say here. Easy. <laughs> I got to watch what I say here. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Maytag's calling you a whirlpool. <laughs> You're gonna get a phone call yeah. on Saturday. <laughs> Cease and desist, please. Uh, yeah, <laughs> either that or you'll get a new fridge. Shows what you're doing. <laughs> so this week, I kind of wanted to do something rather deep. We've touched on this in other episodes at a high level, but I wanted to talk about effect selection or creative emphasis. And I know that's kind of a lot to unpack. Trying to define it so we all know exactly what kind of unicorn we're trying to ride here. Effects <laughs> become the visual representation in the music. And the most identifiable example of this is probably the whole, you know, when you have a slow song, um, you know, how many cases of falling leaves do we have in the shed kind of a deal. Like I, I want to try to go a little deeper than that. You know, I, I think as designers, we all obviously make the choices for the effects that we use at a particular point of emphasis very consciously, or at least I think we make it consciously. Now, like it's, it's either conscious or, um, you know, we're trying to flesh it out in a design program or something similar. But I, I want to explore that a little more in creative words and kind of work through that and see what your thoughts are. So basically how all three of us how we choose our effects to, you know, I, I, to come up with that though, I think we'd have to actually, why don't we just choose our, uh, like a show that we've done though. So we can say why we chose those effects. Yeah, that's, then it that's, makes a little that's more totally sense. Fine. Yeah, that's totally fine. Cause I, I, I <clears throat> thought about that when I was trying to wrap my head around this, because I thought this one was a little tricky because it is hard to do without a visual reference. So if it helps to put yourself in you know, your own headspace of, okay, what was I thinking when I designed this particular section of, you know, say Sky Wars or, you know, Jamie Octoblast? What's your thought process? How do you guys begin choosing not just types of effects? Sure, we can go into exact types of effects, but I'm talking, you know, even deeper than that on a conceptual level, as far as the creative stuff is concerned, when it comes to following the music and selecting a specific type of product, puts you in a mindset where you're like, okay, I have to use this. I have to use this specific type of product here because. Hmm. Jamie, you want to go first? What are we I'm offering? About? So that way I don't, I don't get, well, you just go first. No, <laughs> no, that's not how I don't think he's goes. ever said they that. usually go, Bo says something and Alfredo Pasta Boy goes, Jamie, what do you think about that? That's not true. Oh my God. Because totally you always deflect. So then you can come back and over overstate what I said. Okay, fine. fine. I'll go first. I'll go first. No, no, no. That's fine. He's had enough. You see what I did? There? That's fine. I don't know. I guess for me, when I start to design and think of effects to use in a certain part of a song, it starts off with one, how I feel in that part of that section of the song emotionally. Um, and then second, I need to find an effect that I believe will take a, a correct burn pattern or burn time to yeah, last yep. in that area. So then, you know, that really limits you down to a certain section or amount of effects that you can use in that part. So it really limits you down to, you know, those 
specific effects. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Hold on. I wasn't ready for that. (laughs) Can you say it again? I wasn't ready for that at all. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Okay, go ahead. Nailed it. Good job, man. I'm proud of you. I never held specifically against you ever, but I'm proud of you. Oh, I know. It's been practicing. <laughs> so then I guess I once I have all those uh, effects in front of me, I'm like, okay, well, again, then it goes down to what I have in stock and what I can get at that time. And then I play around with them to see which section or what those actually look like in that section. And again, like you said, when it gets to a quiet or an emotional section or kind of eerie, I mean, in one four, you're really limited to nothing but falling leaves, yeah. horse tails. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess you have like 62s now that are like dahlias or like falling brocade kind of glittering effects. Yeah, right. So, I mean, there's only so much out there that's available, you know, or like if the song is eerie, but kind of like upbeat at the same time, or like it's really low tone, but there's something about it that can make it kind of wild, like something in a build that's coming mm-hmm. and you can use cool effects. Uh, what are those called though? Like, like, Oh, Jamie will use them in, in the insane traffic kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, like those? Uh, fish or bees. Yeah. There you go. Fish. There you go. Yeah. So, cause it's, it's light, it's not breaking, but it's consistent and it, but it still has that light effectness to it. Yeah. Right. So that's how I start off. I just go off of, okay, again, how I feel on it, what effects are available for that section and what can I do with that? And what am I able to get a hold of or what do I have in stock at that time? Yeah. And that's where I'll start. How do you define your song progression? Like how much are you really paying attention to the way that your song progresses and moves and how much does that affect what you choose next? I mean, have you ever gotten to a point where you're like, okay, you know, I just, I just had this section that is whatever effect that you choose and, you know, however big the display was supposed to be over that section. And then you get to a transitional point where, you know, you got to change things up. How do you create that relative context between, you know, section A and section B? I'm just wondering if there's any relative thought process in your mind as the song kind of moves. There is, I guess, but it's not till I'm farther along into it. Like a lot of, a lot of the times when I'm scripting, I guess you, you put, um, one of those little things you put on the timeline and, and shows or in, um, finale 3d. This like placeholders. Yeah, yeah. So for me, I put yellow mines, yellow 22 millimeter mines, and I put them at every spot in the show that I want to do something with. And that's how I start off. So I could have a whole show of just a yellow 22 mines all going off on the back, right cake section. <laughs> so it just looks like a bunch yeah. of little yellow mines <laughs> running all these little beats. And the idea so, behind that is like, you're, are you taking that time to really immerse yourself in just the music and listen to the music? And then like, that's what you hear. And because you hear that, that's kind of where you're placing your markers on the timeline. Is that why you're doing that? Yeah. And, but then I'm also watching, so I'm listening to music and trying to figure out, okay, um, what do I see in this 
Specific. <laughs> I'm trying to make it funny now. I'm nervous. <laughs> I'm trying to find out how I would feel in that section, watching those minds and going, you know what? There's so many going off right there that I could do, you know, beats one and three now, because if I use this cake, one and three would make it fit better because uh, two and four don't need to be hit if I use this effect. Yeah. So then I'll take those two mines out. I'll place the effect that I want to use on the far left side of the field now. And I'll use those there to see how they line up with the music and see if they fit my mood and what I'm trying to, you know, have other people feel or see in the, in the sky. Yeah. Yeah. Well, does yeah. that make I mean, sense too? It's yeah, really hard no, to explain it, this actually. Like when you're trying to deep inside how to explain to somebody, yeah, this is rough. This is rough. Oof. I kind of figured it was going to be going into it. Normally, I don't take a bunch of notes or anything on an episode, but when we kicked around doing this one, I actually had to sit down and think about it because it wasn't so much the mindset that you're in when you do it. It's, oh my God, I've, I've never had to, to articulate that mindset or try to take something that's normally done in front of a computer yeah, and software. You don't have to teach anybody. You're yeah, teaching right. yourself. I mean, you talk to yourself. It's not like... <laughs> yeah, you and you can teach it, but I, I don't know. I guess we just never... I don't know. We well, never so got I mean, this you, deep you can, in, in anything. Yeah, you could teach it, but I mean, like, you'd have to do what you did now is take notes to better explain it. But when you're doing it yourself, it's not like you have to explain to yourself, oh, well, this is why I'm doing this. And then ask yeah. yourself... Yeah. why you're doing it. It just comes naturally because it's you talking to yourself like a crazy person. Even so much <laughs> that, but like how much do you believe? I consciously totally believe that there's many times where, you know, we've sat down in front of a simulation, mm-hmm. thrown a bunch of stuff on a timeline and then come back and said, you know, well, I'm going to scrap yeah. this and it doesn't work yeah. because yeah, right. But at the time, we thought, okay, maybe it just doesn't work. But I think it's entirely possible that what we're trying to articulate right now is the reason why it didn't work. So it goes a lot deeper than that. It's almost trying to figure out the things that we might not even necessarily know why we chase those concepts. Well, yeah, because I guess as you lay things down, you really don't know what you're going to do next. So you can do something, you're like, all right, this section's done or this 10, 12 section section is done. Well, the next run or the next, you know, chorus first, whatever, you know, breakdown will be something different, but that won't make sense if you do what you did previously. So you might have to go back to your previous setup and go, all right, we'll scrap this and bring something else in there so that it flows decently into the next section. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, actually, I just had to talk about with this with John is whenever you're scripting for Skywars, I was like, don't think that you're set in stone. You're going to, you're going to look at this. And even if you, once you finish, you're going to go back and start changing things. It's, it's like a never ending. If you're happy with it the first time, then you're not scripting is the way I look at it. Mentally, I think you get in your own head and you're almost like, uh, I wish I knew if any rules existed in the universe for what makes something beautiful, which obviously they don't. Beauty is always in the eye of the beholder. And it's really hard to articulate something that's so subjective as a creative picture. You know, with that said, I do believe that there's ways to completely screw up a sight picture. I mean, I think if you're not 
really in tune with your music and you know trying to articulate the beats or focal points in a song that really makes sense to you if that stuff is not resonating with you then maybe it's time to rethink your song choice you want to try to connect with your music when you connect with your music that's the only way that you're ever going to be able to create a visual representation of that music and naturally at least yeah really get it to resonate with a crowd and make it feel natural when i script it's it's not free flowing it's it's all over the place it's i'm telling a story and and like writing a book or you know an author writer's block any of that type of stuff you just kind of start jotting stuff down rambling stuff on and then something just hits you I might be at work sometimes and I'll be like, man, I'll hear a song and some inspiration to hit me. And they'll be like, Ooh, I want a script. And I carry my laptop around me and you know, Hey, let's, let's do a little scripting. And when those little bursts of ideals and passions and you know, the, the juices are flowing, it's like, that's the time that I really got to get some major scripting done. Otherwise I'm just staring at that timeline and like, uh, you know, forcing it and I'll <laughs> skip through parts of the song and I'm like, oh, I feel this. And, you know, I'm telling a story. So, you know, you got the climax and, you know, the ending and all these things and the turning point, you got the slow spots, the, the busy spots, different fireworks have different effects. So as I'm listening to the song, I'm visualizing that and I will look to pick effects that are emotional to me because it's my story that I'm telling to the crowd and I will pick fireworks that have the emotion that the particular song is, they, they both resonate with me. You know, this firework makes me feel this way. This part of the song makes me feel this way. Plug it in there. That looks great. And like AJ said, when you get to that next section, you have this great idea of inspiration and then you're like, wait, that doesn't, they don't flow together. And then now what? <laughs> <laughs> See, yeah, you're constantly yep. making changes and I, I jump around on the script. I'm probably not the smoothest scripter there is, but you know, it works for me. It's a little bit slow process because I change things up and I just do so many things at the same time that I can't just focus on it all the time. So I take what I get and, you know, watch fireworks videos when I'm not feeling it. I'll, I'll just walk, watch videos like, Ooh, I forgot to have that firework. That's what that actually looks like. That would be great here. I'll go back to there and be like, let's see what that looks like. Plug it in. And it's not always the, the effect itself. It's how you use it. If you're using it in a run or if you're doing, you know, all, all your positions at once and a huge blown out pattern to be like, Ooh, this is a moment of just like, wow, in your face, you know, 25 comets going off at the same time, making a crown in the sky. It, it just, it, it varies on on everything. Um, it's your story. You're telling it, and your inspiration may hit you while you're in line at Arby's. You're like, "Ooh, I got to write this down before I forget," because you do hit these blocks where it's like, "What do I do now? What works here?" Jamie, you just said something too that reminded me. Um, I remember there was that 15 second part in my Skyward show that I was stuck on. I couldn't uh-huh. figure it out, and it was mainly because. I didn't see anything in my head because I really just wanted the lyrics to be what people were paying attention to at that second. So I I just wanted it to be, 
not something that somebody had to follow their eyes and look around. It just wanted something to be there to showcase, but at the same time be just enough for as they could watch those, but still pay attention to the lyrics being spoken at that time. And that hopefully was important. let right. them hear. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess it wasn't to you just you just reminded me of that. I remember having that conversation with you. Exactly. And I guess that is another mindset. Do it's, you an, want- it's an inspiration. You know, it's, I feel this emotionally. I want you to pay attention to the words. So maybe I'm going to have a quiet effect. So there's not black sky, but there are times that black sky makes sense. Hard to do that on the timeline. But if you think about it, it's like, this makes sense. I need a pause before the great moment actually happens. When we digest music though, there's always particular parts of a song that resonate more with us than any other part of a song. So like Jamie, going back to what you were saying before about skipping around and and doing different parts of the song. I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. I, I can't tell you how many times like I've sat down to write a piece of music and I've started with the chorus, you know, I'll start with the chorus or I'll start with the hook. Um, you know, almost never really start with verses and things like that because that's stuff that, kind of stems from the structure of the chord progression that you already have. Right. So, I mean, especially if you're doing it within the, the confines of modern music. Get that framework. Exactly. Because the, the part that means the most to you, there's a good chance that, you know, you're not the only one in the crowd that's going to pick up on that focal point and that it's going to mean something. And if you can articulate that point even more, you, you kind of bring it out. Yeah. Right. The song's progression and it's build is always the biggest deal to me, bar none. I mean, it's the literal challenge going into a design, figuring out how you're going to come up with something that, that feels like it's the visual embodiment of the musical piece. I, I try to directly associate, this kind of goes to what AJ was saying too, because it sounds like we're kind of the same here, but like burn times, um, picking effects yeah. with burn times that for a particular section kind of feels that music out. Like if you, if you have a hook, a lot of the music that I write, the first thing that I will sit down and write is either the chorus or the hook. And the hook is almost always instrumental in nature. I mean, this heart of fire, it was, it started with a hook. Uh, Angel wings started with a hook. Neon skies started with a hook. It all the same. Those pieces, those sections of the music are just typically total rip in spots with the exception of angel wings because angel wings had a lot of emotional melodic guitar that was really the focal point and it was four on the floor too like it was just that done 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 whereas something like this heart of fire was a lot quicker than that even though it was in four four time it was really percussive in the way that it moved so that section had to be quick and fast and furious like it had to it just had to rip you know but the way the music progresses, if you go from there to like a verse, depending on how that music progresses, a lot of times that's going to kind of dictate where you go with your verticals. A lot of times in displays, I'll try to start close to the ground and then work my way up because you want to, like, I try to be relative to what my biggest point on my timeline is going to be. And this is why what Jamie said earlier is so important because if you start with a chorus, and you build this massive, beautiful sight picture with a chorus with every single vertical filled from top to bottom and like your smallest effect to your highest effect, then you have created your relative quote unquote big point in your display. 
So from that, you can kind of work backwards. You know, when you get into a verse, does it really make sense to step shells at your highest vertical while you're doing really intricate movements down below with quicker burning effects? Because if the whole thing is big, then yeah, it's like all a roller coaster. It is not going to work. It, like it's big. just like if you think about it, it's similar you know? to a roller coaster. You know, you got your moments, and then what do roller coasters do? They die out. You have that slow part where it kind of gives you that second to go, "Oh, that was crazy!" And then here we go again, and it goes again, and then it slows down to a section. It's it's that you want that same emotion, the yeah, same feel, right, to be in your musical. And and again, it depends on the song, mm-hmm. like you said. If it's right. Like this heart of fire where it's just like, it's balls of the wall. It's time to go. That's the whole purpose of that show kind of thing. It's just, God, man, this is really difficult to like articulate without like going, all right, here, check out this video <laughs> clip, uh, four minutes and 32 seconds. Here's what I was thinking. <laughs> In reality, I think it would be, it would be a lot easier to work backwards, right? If you had a video clip, then you could probably look at it and, and explain to the world why you did what you did. But I sat down many times that first section of this heart of fire. I think I designed that three times at least before I was like, all right, I think I have something that more or less kind of flows. I felt like the previous iterations of what I had didn't really resonate. And, you know, if they didn't resonate with me, then I know they weren't going to resonate with my peers and they probably wouldn't resonate with the general audience either. You know, it's actually kind of weird on that. There's been parts of songs that I did where I wasn't truly happy with it, I guess. I kind of like just said, all right, you know, I'm running out of money. I'm on a budget for this part. I'm just going to do this. And I found that other people mentioned that section where I thought I wouldn't think, I would think it was, it was garbage. You thought it was was more or less a placeholder. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And people say something about it and I'm like, okay, cool. So again, it's, it's whoever's listening to it. But how do you feel about this part? The one that I spent a week on, that was pretty good too, right? (laughs) (laughs) So it's, again, it's like, uh, I, I think we talked, or I talked to you about this too, and we're all the same as, you know, what you hear and what I hear and what Jamie might hear in one song is all three different, probably three different emotions. You might understand the song, but you might hear different parts than I hear in that song, or Jamie might hear something different parts in that song. So the audience is going to be the same way. But if you're designing the show, you really want to design it to how you feel and how you are kind of thing. Cause it's supposed to represent you, not the, what will make the crowd happy kind of thing. You know what yeah, I mean? Right. If the idea is to... Uh, unless you're selling the show to a crowd, I guess. Yeah. Let me, let me I rephrase mean, that. <laughs> I think any way that you're, you know, when you're shooting for for a crowd, a lot of times, especially if the, if the crowd can intimately hear the music, you know, they have a clear representation of the music and then they also have a clear representation of the fireworks and, and both of them, you're not fighting for attention. Um, I think the perfect show is the show that from beginning to end, they get it. Like they understood why every section did what it did, even if they might not have followed the focal point the entire way through. You know, you being a drummer, for example, a lot of times you'll listen to, you'll listen to music. And like when you send um, like simulations and stuff over, like I can tell that that's, 
what I'm following. Yeah, that, that's the, that's the part of the music that you are absolutely following hardcore. And I try to put myself out of the the head. It's really hard because you know I am I am biased. And I am a musician. I'm I try to put myself in the headspace of somebody else. But you know if I show that to Katie or my mom or my my dad, they get it too. Like they'll look at it and go totally understand what he's following and why. And then you look at mine, you're like, man, he's all over the place. Yeah, That's well, not, not at <laughs> all. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> you know, but Jamie, you are actually watching your shows, you do follow a little bit of everything in yours. Yeah. Like you, you're well-rounded where, like even your four by eight board, you followed the lyrics, the drums, and like the rhythm of the song, like almost like one after another kind of thing. You didn't just like, like Bo was saying, I get stuck on the drums sometimes and I'll, I could follow the drums the whole song and be completely happy with it. Yeah. But for you, I did that one mind section where I went through all Bo's instruments. (laughs) 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 This section's drums. This one's going to be the guitar. And this one's the synthesizer. (laughs) (laughs) Color for every instrument. You know what though? We can kind of switch gears to the technical for a second now that we're talking about this, because I'd be interested to hear you guys' thoughts on, you know, modern music being very 4-4. I'm talking, you know, one, two, three, four, two, two, three, four. A lot of modern music follows that. Like yeah, it's, not it's tool. so much what, well, and it's not the, <laughs> that it's not cool because even a lot of the no, music that, tool. Oh, okay. <laughs> it, I'm just, yeah. Western music has been that way for a really long time. So we're used to it. So what do you guys think about changing gears on like offbeats? Reggae is a perfect example of a kind of music where, you know, the offbeat is almost always the point of emphasis in the way that the progression goes. You've got that that really light downstroke on an electric guitar, but then you've got that really forceful upstroke, which is always on an offbeat. So... Likewise, if you're doing a pyromusical to something like that and you decide to do something that's kind of off kilter and say you don't stick to the you know four on the floor methodology and you're not necessarily changing your sight picture on the beats where people traditionally would think that you, I would always change it, what do you think about doing stuff off kilter like that? Do you think that kind of thing resonates or would you stay away from it? Yeah, I mean, I guess there's there's songs that don't have like that. You know, there's not a beat. It's just well, if you're following lyrics, like, right? If you're following lyrics, I think or even like a synthesizer or something like that. Something that's in there that's not like you know, like you can't tap your hand to it, kind of thing. You know, what I mean, if you had no drums, no nothing, and you started a song off with like a synthesizer or like keys or something, where it's just like that. Um, yeah, like, it's just a pad. It's just like a, a drum. Pad, exactly. Yeah. It's there's no boom, boom. You don't know the beat of the song. It's not like you could listen to that and go and put it in Reaper and be like, all right, this is uh, 120 beats a minute. Like you would never know. So, in parts like that, I guess is that what you're talking about? Where like you don't really have a timing. Uh, yeah, something like that. Either that, or even if you have a chorus or you have a pre-chorus, and things are straightforward. Like there's. F- you know, say you get eight bars in your verse and throughout the entirety of your verse, it's softer. So put up like, um, put up horse tails and falling leaves, things like that. You know, changing that stuff visually halfway through, even though the music hasn't necessarily changed. Do you guys believe that you can 
work to induce a, a difference in the sight picture if the music doesn't necessarily change. I mean, if the song stays the same the whole way. Yeah. Say you got a verse where, you like know, any pop music. <laughs> you mean, yeah. I mean, pop, yeah. <laughs> pop music is super vulgar. Like it's, yeah. It's super consistent, <clears throat> but it means catchy, but you would still need to, you would still need to make transitions. And I think you would spend a lot of time uh, working on emphasizing the beats that are there. Huey, not now, buddy. Come on. <laughs> you know, um, he had opinion. <laughs> yeah, he does have an opinion. He agreed. <laughs> he wants food. <laughs> like, watch this. Feed me. Um, yeah, pop music, very literal and very lyrical. And I think you can do a great job of emphasizing lyrics. I mean, Jamie, you do a stellar job of emphasizing lyrical content. So that was, I guess, where I was going a, a few minutes ago with this because your music bed and your music progression may not change over that section much. You know, you might have some instrumentation that's a little added extra that comes in that you might be able to follow if you're following that. But if you're following lyrical content, then I think you can change substantially throughout that. On my four by eight, I followed the the music, and then I flipped to the to the verses and to, and to the lyrics from time to time on zombie and things like that. So yeah, it, it, it is possible. Yeah, that's where I was going with that earlier when I was mentioning your show. Mm -hmm. Like you yep. followed so many things, but they were able to be followed because <clears throat> of how you were shooting it. You knew that that was what you heard the most. You could, as the effects went off, you're like, all right, I know why that went off. And I know what Jamie was listening to or what he heard when he, when he put that together. Jamie, when you departed from the music and decided to put up a full field homage to a lyric, was it hard to come back into the music after that? For me, it's different than you two because you two are very technical. Like the two, two, four, the one, two, three, four, all the the verbiage and synchronizers and words I don't understand. I think you don't understand it, but you actually uh, do do no, it. That's just the thing. I, mean. I, I don't <laughs> understand what you're talking about because I feel it. Like I just, I feel it. So when I'm listening to a song and the fireworks, I may be following and doing those type of things that you're talking about, but I don't understand what the, what it's called. It's just like, this is what it's doing to me. This is how I feel during it. So when I'm scripting a song and I'm like, I'm really feeling these lyrics, like this is legit. So, you know, I'll start following the, the, the lyrics in a song and putting out emotional fireworks, the way the lyrics are making me feel, you know, zombie and things like that. And then it, it, the, there may be a transition where I'm like, okay, we're going back to the, the bass, the bass or the drum or whatever. There's a guitar rift. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to light this part up and then right back to the lyrics. I just, I follow my emotional state throughout the scripting. And, you know, that's kind of the way I tell my story. It's like, this is how I feel. This is how you guys should feel. You guys understand it in a depth more than I do. I just naturally understand it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But and that's just, actually it just good comes though, to me. 
it's good though, because as we're talking about it, I wonder if everybody that's listening right now that yeah, is I like Jamie say, doesn't understand it too. Like the one, two, like three, some four people kind of thing. probably are same as me. It's like just being an artist. Some people have to train to be an artist and some people, they, they just get it, you know, just like playing music. You, you got those, you know, people with the natural born talent. I can just play a guitar. <laughs> I can tell you, just speaking from experience on doing tracks and, and audio engineering work, when people bring me track ideas, you know, a lot of times they're they're not versed enough to to go, hey, I would like to put this chorus in place of this chorus. Or I would like to put, you know, I would like to get rid of this verse and everything after that. Like they don't, that lingo isn't there naturally. And that's all fine and good because what I will tell you for a fact is even though they don't know the terminology for all the different sections of the song and what they're trying to move, eventually what they usually articulate is a specific point on the timeline, <laughs> right? They're like, I want to take... Everybody's really careful in saying that. No, it's funny. What's that? Specific. Specifically. <laughs> I said it right, didn't I? I know, but it was... You it was, it was like the you focus. To, I'm like, yeah. I'm going to say this right. Specific. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. That was funny. Squirrel. I don't remember what I'm saying now. <laughs> people you. are contacting you and they're telling Thank you you want to take this out and this part out. Oh, but they uh, understand what they want. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. They so what they want. They know exactly. Yeah, they know exactly what they want. They just they, they might not know the terminology, but they know like, hey, at this point, at the one minute mark, I want that. And then when I go into that and I look at it, they're like, I, I know. It's like, yeah, okay, cool, I get it. You know, you want to swap chorus two with chorus one. Perfect. I, I mean, it's, it's just a different, it's a different way of looking at, it, which is totally understandable because people don't necessarily know the terminology for the different sections of songs. So, but that should be a testament to, you know it, you know, you feel it. And that's what you mean by you feel it is you have an intimate understanding of how the song makes you feel and how the different parts of the song could be organized in order to have the most profound effect to fit your pirate musical. And that's what I meant. That's what I meant. Dobo. So what about for when, same concept for you then, how do you choose to, oh, are we, are we going back to effects now? Cause we just went backwards for a second. What was the time. question again? We jumped forward, but then we kind of felt like I took, we took a step back real quick again. So the effect selection, if the goal is always to try to find what I feel the most creative putting on the timeline much like you know what Jamie said before, he wants to create a story and have things kind of flow and breathe as the song goes. For me, the song really has to breathe and the effect selection, if I were to try to get technical with it, just to insert some hypothetical effects, like I was saying earlier, you know, quick burning effects are my best friend during a hook or something that I want to bring quick motion to because they're there and they're gone quickly. The exception to that would have been angel wings, for example, yeah. that opening section of angel wings, mm -hmm. because the guitar was the primary focus. Out. Yeah. And because yeah. it rings out so much, it gave me a palette to use longer burning effects that reached up a little higher into spectrums. But notice like I didn't use any shells over that section at all. And that was very, very deliberate. You didn't have to. Yeah. You didn't have to at all. Like just watching what you did there with that, 
Cause you, and think about it, you, cause when you followed the guitar, like you said, that, that had that ring out then the rest of the song, while you were able to emphasize that if people are watching that, they can, they pinpoint that out exactly. Mm-hmm. But the other part of that song in the beginning, you could have done, if you followed the other guitar or the drums, it would have been a lot more busier kind of thing, yeah. but you chose exactly the part that you wanted to represent because I think to you at that time that was the most emotional part to you which is what you were trying to get across and you could understand that yeah the hook was obviously very it was impactful and it was supposed to be very very kaleidoscopy and impactful in that way like I wanted all of these different effects to interlace I didn't want there to be a ton of overlap because I wanted all of those effects to ring out like all of the all of the brocade comments all of this, the meteors, all of the mines, I wanted them to eventually chill in their own little pocket within the vertical spectrum. And I felt like I achieved that, but I had to make sure that when I got to the part of the song that really opened up and was big in the chorus, that that beginning part didn't outshine the rest of it because it had to grow. And if you use a bunch of these really big shells, I'll do this quite often in other displays too. If I'll save the big shells um, for those site pictures where I want to bring that emphasis to this part's really opening up. And then if I want to go further than that, I'll start adding just a, a hint of randomness to the whole thing to really make it feel like it's going chaotic and borderline falling off the rails. Because you know, that in and of itself can convey an emotion. Picking what effect is, you know, for quiet areas and things like that, I'll use quiet effects or glimmering effects, you know, glittering comets, things with long duration that can just kind of enunciate and build that emotional value. Um, and like you said, those fast paced, quick beats, minds are your friend. Um, and then it's taking that effect and there's things you can do with it runs, you know, shooting multiple off at the same time, parabolas, I guess, (laughs) um, setting off that emotion with, you know, the big shells, you can get in no abs with, uh, different style effects or double effects to really hit a double beat. Um, so it's the different effect that I'll, I'll play into the music with either a lyric or with, you know, the instrument itself. Going back to effects too, there's actually a song now that I've been playing with and the beginning is really quick. I mean, it's just constantly going, but every the, everything I have in there so far is just comets and minds and the comets. All yellow? S- 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 no. <laughs> it, it makes your eyes oh, stray you, away are from where you, know you know the... <laughs> What's that? Never mind. Go ahead. <laughs> Dick. Uh, your eyes, it takes away from down below. So it it moves your eyes vertically where the mm-hmm. minds are supposed to be keeping that beat. So as much as I don't want to make that whole section just minds, I'm trying to find another effect that I can keep your eyes in that same location without rising too much to keep hitting those beats on. Mm-hmm. Right. Kind of like germs um, or fountains or using something with those minds. Yeah, but like it's got to be, did. it's so quick that like uh, a gerb mm-hmm. wouldn't be fast enough for it. It has to be that instantaneous, like boom, 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 boom. A second gerb wouldn't be fast enough? Uh, 
Not really. I don't think you, they don't rise like that. I don't know what it's going to do. I'll try it, but I don't no, know. You're not just not using out. them, right? <laughs> yeah. Or too little. Use it. It's kind of like um, when, when Legends Rise, where I did the, the opening riff with all nothing but minds. Remember that part? It's like, dun, 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 mm-hmm. dun, dun, dun. it's all, and it worked. Because it was just mines, but it was quick, but it was the only thing that you really could use to see that. And like every brief part of the song where it had like a pause or a hit moment, I used an arising effect. But if I had used other effects during there, it would have been all over the place. I don't think anybody else would have been able to follow it. Yeah. I think so much of that is getting in the groove of a pattern that is easy to follow even horizontally, right? Like if you're trying to keep a lid on a certain section of a display, because you don't want it to grow too high, but maybe it has points of emphasis where you could throw up some mid-level shells and get away with it and it still looks good. The lateral aspect of the the display on the ground level and the low level with those single shots is paramount at that point. And that's what really just takes playing around with. I mean, when you play around with it enough, eventually you find... A, a nice flowing movement, whether it's, you know, into out, out to in, or, you know, from one side of the field to the other, that <laughs> makes it a little easier for people to digest. But this also can change when we were talking about, like you said, we've, we've kind of briefly talked about this before, and you brought up the case where in a lot of those slower sections, people will use slower effects or non-breaking effects or lightly breaking effects. But there is parts of a section of songs that it may not be the hardest hitting section and it might be a slight build before that hard section comes up that you can use breaking effects and go nuts to create Mm -hmm. that feeling of something's about to happen. It may look like a filler section, uh, but you, you know something's coming. And then it kind of gives you that uh, moment of, uh, what is that word? A breaking of the monotony yeah, of what's about to happen. To give your mind something to see and your mind doesn't have to follow it. And then boom, I'm going to hit you with something that's rhythm now or rhythmic. Yeah, I like it. (laughs) I like it. Those transitional points serve a huge importance in the grand scheme of the display because they're quite literally what's going to take you from one section of the display to the next. And in modern music, it's somewhat easier than if you were shooting like, you know, free form jazz or something where quite literally everything's (laughs) improv. Um, I think there were a couple of shows who the dude that won uh, pyro jam was it last year. I can't remember what kind of music he shot to, but it was a really interesting music choice that I thought was really cool. And it was different because it wasn't, you know, traditional modern music that was easily followable. So question for you then, since uh, usually you're the host and you're asking us the question. So I'm going to start with you on this one. How do you choose your effects, single shot effects specifically Hmm. (laughs) when you're trying to emphasize certain notes? Like when you did Angel Wings, what made you use Minds over Comets? and comments over using minds kind of thing. So that was a, it was like a feel of the riff. Um, 
you know how I've, I've mentioned in spots, I like to like kind of watch the field breathe in the way that that guitar was moving. You know, it, the riff itself, you know, would go from a low register to like a kind of like a soaring register. And what I wanted to convey with that is like my soaring registers, if you look at the way that the mines interact with the comets, the comets are almost always kind of reaching their apex and creating those big shapes when the epicness of that soaring note kind of starts doing its thing. And then the mines interact on a lot of the other stuff. So it almost makes the the sight picture breathe up to down, you know, up, down, up, down, up, down, as it kind of goes through the different refrains in the song. But that was really the objective of that. And then the meteors were kind of sprinkled in there to break up the way the sight picture looked because I didn't want just a bunch of the same effect creating these shapes on the field. I wanted other effects in there to accent void space. Because if I would have filled the void space with the same effects, I think the shapes would have lost their their luster. You know, the shapes wouldn't have been as defined. And you use the meteors <clears throat> for more quicker notes is what I noticed in there at least. It wasn't like they were they weren't as drawn out as the other ones. They were kind of like your quick notes in there. Yeah. So on that last beat, I think the the very last beat, like when it goes dun na like that last beat, when it hits the dun na the comets with the tails, the bushy tails that are really lingering over the side picture, those are just coming to fruition to create the parabola shapes on the field. And then the mines come up as an accent within and they reach their apex just as that last beat kind of kind of falls and then everything kind of starts over after that where you know the stepping sequence um of just a different pattern and a different flow either from in to out or out to in takes place and then you know it creates a slightly different shape in a slightly different flow but ultimately ends with the same kind of emphasis on that last note I guess. So I guess to answer the question, I wanted effects that one, were going to paint a very, very defined sight picture and that they were going to change the way the sight picture looked when you viewed it. When you viewed it as one gigantic sight picture, it, it was meant to create a really cool shape. And looking, watching it too, I felt like when you, you knew you had to use strobing mines because you needed a longer lasting mm-hmm. effect for it to have that same, uh, to carry on the notes like they were and to let you know what they were following. Because if, go back on that, copy your show and take all those mines and just put a standard color color in there. I oh, bet it you it would look completely no, it different would, to yep. a disliking. Again, it's kind of a testament to what we were talking about. You, you know, burn times, burn, burn times are big. Um, because depending on the feel of the music, you know, strobing anything, anything that's going to linger and take up space, you know, in your vertical spectrums, those are the ones that you really do have to be careful when you use them and how you use them because they can eat up your visual space and your, your mind share a lot because you're going to throw those up on the field and then people are going to see them and they just don't go away right away. They're going to stay there for a while. And, you know, I rewinding to a day where 
I used to throw up like the strobiest, bushiest tailed C-shaped slices and slices. And I just put them all up behind each other. And it just looked like garbage because there's, there's no accounting for the space and what accents the music because you have to be able to accent that music tastefully. And to do that, you can't, you can't go mushing up all of the different verticals. Uh, otherwise you're going to have a, you're gonna have a train wreck and it's just, it's going to look like pyramusical sky puke at that point. So it's, it's super, super important to understand the slow burning effects from the quick burning effects and then understand what kind of music they work really well with. And then Jamie, how about for you for your foray board? Or actually, your uh, last year's show for your actual, uh, what is it, pot show? Mm-hmm. When you were choosing yeah. your effects for Danger Zone, same question. What made you choose, you know, comments and minds, meteors, that kind of thing? Or did you base uh, them off color? Like, how do you, how do you choose those effects? Uh, so danger zone in particular, um, I was using meteors and things during the danger zone, like, uh, for, uh, fire, you know, a firefight, the meteors are just going by like bullets and uh, crisscrossing and creating patterns in the sky quickly zipping by and they don't have no tails and, uh, the comets I would, I would just shoot up just to follow that pattern of music or something that was going on at the time. That's kind of what, why I use the meteors is more just for a, fo- a dog fight um, to kind of do that. And then the, I use the uh, minds, the salutes to kind of do the same thing um, to this is the danger zone. There's a lot of fire and things going off during those segments. Intensity. So I just kind of listen to the lyrics a lot in that. I mean, it's always where you burn to be. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That was good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, s***. That was good, is This is an interesting one, man. It is. Because, like, this one almost seems like you'd almost have to write this down and go, this would be like you'd have to script what we're going to talk about to keep it in order how you do it because there's just so this much episode in is this. like I script <laughs> it is really <laughs> it's exactly it I mean it truly I'll be like ooh I just listen to songs like ooh I'm feeling this section let's start working on it we're, we're talking dog fights and salute let's do it and then oh now it's just calm and relaxed and, <laughs> you know yada, la 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 let's do some sky comets and some <laughs> glittering effects and fountains and then oh God, it's crazy time. We're doing this part now. <laughs> what were we talking about? So it is something that you two guys do a lot more than me is I know when I talk to both of you and you're talking about scripting or something you're doing or as Bo puts it, a color pattern that he wants to apply. That's the last thing that comes through my mind. And I noticed that the, that's the only time it comes to me is when Amber's watching my sim with me and she's like, you know, those colors don't match, right? Yeah. <laughs> color patterns, and all the it, same it wasn't color. Till, it wasn't until then that <clears throat> when she started really saying that stuff to me, I was like, okay, I designed the show, but then I have to start changing cakes out 
with other colored cakes or different things to make sure I at least stay somewhat color coordinated or at least colorful-ish. <laughs> I think up front, it's totally okay to compartmentalize whatever your design focus and sequencing is. It's okay to listen to a piece of music and then just go through and put a bunch of hit points or in your case, mines on a timeline and then you know see what you're feeling as far as the movement goes and then kind of go back and flesh things out visually from there. If you've got a good pattern, you're only going to make that pattern better and really, really optimized for the best, paying attention to color schemes and things like that. God, I can't I can't remember what I was doing all those years ago when it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I'm like, I cannot believe I never thought to myself, use a color wheel and understand color science and how we interpret it as humans like makes a huge difference because creating a color palette and then transitioning from one color palette to another color palette, but doing it with order and finesse through the color wheel. I mean, subliminally, that's doing wonders for making your display palatable to an audience because like they understand color. Like you can look at somebody who's not well dressed and doesn't know like you. I would imagine if Amber wasn't around and you had to dress yourself, <laughs> things would be, would be a train wreck. Well, that's why I wear solid color t-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything on is solid I am quite sure that this is black. <laughs> and that is pretty monochromatic and goes with everything. You know, it's, it's stuff like that. Understanding at the end of the day, whether it's a burn time or a color or a type of effect or where you place that effect, everything boils down to your understanding of those different tools. And it's when you learn how to use those tools together in creative situations, which was even, which is even harder because again, like now we're extending into the subjective because the way that you use those tools to create something beautiful might not be so beautiful to somebody else. It's like those people that make the paintings with brooms and stuff. Like they're just taking paint and throwing it on a thing and then throwing it up against the wall. I don't see the beauty in that, but you know, somebody that paints a beautiful picture, I look at that and I'm like, okay, I, you know, I love that. But then there's people that look at the abstract art and think to themselves, like, this is just, it's the most amazing thing on the face of the planet. And I totally have respect right. for And they see something in yes, it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I guess if there's any one piece of advice that I personally could give, it would be to try to hone your skill for sharpening all of those different tools and understanding all of those different tools to create what is beautiful to you. Because chances are, you know, you nail the tools, you're going to nail the site picture. And then whatever your focal point is that you hear, that's what you're going to lay at your audience's feet. And they're going to see it. Yeah. I mean, my God, we say this all the time now too. It's <clears throat> what, it, well, you said it earlier, I am a beholder, but it's also what works best for you. Because if you tried to design like someone else, it's never really going to truly be you. So mm -hmm. then it won't ever look truly beautiful to you kind of thing. You, it might look, you know, you're, oh, that looks cool. But to you, you want it to be like, that was beautiful to me first. Right. That's the best way to put it, I guess. God, there's so many other things we could jump into on this. This could be like 
a five-part episode. Anna, this, six this, hours one's long. So, this, this one's so this one's so deep. Film. I'm ready for a, a mind-numbing <laughs> one now. <laughs> a nine? What'd you say? Mind, a, a mind-numbing. I'm ready for a mind-numbing one. Give me something easy. You know, actually, yeah. this was pretty cool though, because I've been having a little issue lately trying to script and mess around <laughs> with stuff, and. This just helps yeah. me out a little bit to cool. think about some stuff. Happy we could help. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's usually what these conversations my head do anyways. hurts way more than it did when I was making a few notes in the car earlier on my way home. Uh, my head hurts way less than yeah. today. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we talk about, you know, talk to single shots and that kind of thing, but the way you can use other effects, like I use a lot of rising tail to break effects. I'm just... I have an addiction with those. I don't know why. But again, using the comet thing and then using, I don't use a lot of cakes where you can throw them up. There's no mine or rising effect or something prior to the break. You were talking about something earlier where I started visualizing something in my head. I'm like, why don't I use cakes that are comets and use those to make the patterns, but then have your secondary effect would be like your break with it. Yeah. Yeah, like you're you're putting two effects more or less in the same physical space, but almost making it look like it's one effect, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'm glad you got that. <laughs> I got it, buddy. I'm glad you understood that. I got it. You know, there's no rules. No rules at all. The most technical gotcha with that would be making sure that you place it in the right spot. You're always going to have that gun mouth variance. Um. But, you know, it is what it is. I think it's, you ask me, it's probably going to wind up being close enough. Um, if you got two products that you know your your single shot is more or less going to burn out in your mid-high vertical in the 1-4 spectrum, but you have inversely an insert from a cake that has a uh, coordinating, color coordinating effect that would look great at the apex of that and you put it up and, you know, you're within two or three degrees of where your comet more or less burned out. I still think that works. <laughs> Would it be great if it were dead center? Sure. <laughs> but I'll take I what I can more get. About using the comets from the cakes, because if you use comics before a one, four cake, you're going above the breaking effects. You know what I'm saying? Like, if, like say for instance, you shot a, of a, a, a 25 shot fan slice cake. Mm-hmm. That comet to break, if you shot a 30 millimeter comet right next to it, a 30 millimeter comet is going to be, when it burns out, or the apex is going to be well above the breaking oh, yeah. effect. Oh, yeah. So I'm talking about using those comets to keep your eyes in that same build pattern to where you see the explosion kind of thing. Kind of like using 30 millimeters to 62s because your eyes are raising that high and then they go off up top. Right. You couldn't do that to like make some big giant apex way up high and then shoot a bunch of cakes off down low because then you have to look down again and you yeah. lost the whole pattern. Right. I, it makes sense to me, man. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> it makes sense to me. <laughs> I'm glad you guys can understand me. And hopefully you guys out there in Everyone the Everyone that's out there listening to this too. is probably like, my God, you just lost me in 45 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys got anything? Any last thoughts on this? God, I, have, oh, I think we. we I think we. This, I just don't I, know well, how much we could get dipped in this without going mm, all back. Yeah, and no, forth. this is like this is super <laughs> deep. This is super deep, and honestly, I, I think we did an okay job of 
more or less identifying important things to pay attention to, you know, cause it, it, at the end of the day, if you know what to pay attention to and the things to look for, or even if you know, your only takeaway from this is, okay, now I know to pay attention to my burn times, or now I know to really listen to my music and see what kind of vibe I'm getting from the way that I'm creating my rhythm. If it's a fast rhythm, maybe load your timeline down with quick burning effects and see how it looks compared to if it were a bunch of long lingering effects. And then just take note and see what that stuff looks like. Because I, I think you really do learn a lot from it. Absolutely. Sweet. Hello. No one is available to take your call. Oh, oh, oh. Why don't you ever pick up the Jamie, did I cut you off? No, that was me. That's okay. (laughs) I know I cut you off, but I thought you were inviting Jamie in for a last thought. So I think I cut Jamie off. That's okay. No, no. I didn't. Okay. Oh, what? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. It's it's like, ah, you know that you cut me off. (laughs) Uh, We got one voicemail this week from Parabolic Virgin. Wow. <laughs> oh my. Can't write this shit. All right. Oh Hello, God. boys. My girlfriend recently left me because she said my parabolas are dog shit and questioned how I could even call myself a man. Will you please help me redeem myself and get her back so that I am not a virgin forever? I only have room for five positions, spaced out 25 feet apart. Firing from left to right, would you gradually increase the angle by the same increment? For example, 170 degrees, 150 degrees, 130 degrees, 110 degrees, and finally 90 degrees. I know who what that is. What are we is. talking about? I know exactly who this is. We're talking about t-shirt ideals, and the t-shirt idea today is the I, parabolic version. Counting down the... Oh, my, my God. My bar is at 10 degrees. My Hold bar on. is at 30 degrees. at 110 degrees? Oh, God. This is... Oh, God. What is his name? Don't worry about who he is. His name is Parabolic Virgin. If he didn't, if he wanted to give you his name, he oh, wouldn't no, have written I, Parabolic find, Virgin when he no, submitted the voicemail. No, it's the text that we were going back and forth. He asked the same thing in a text on the uh, Rhythm Pyro Podcast uh, Facebook page in Messenger. Uh, we were going back and forth with this because he was as soon as he said his sight distances. Well, apparently, we didn't do a very good job of answering the question the first time. Then. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he wanted your guys' opinion since I was the only one talking to him. <laughs> He's like, fuck <laughs> this guy. <laughs> He's not the one I wanted to talk to. Evidently, <laughs> he didn't answer his question. <laughs> All right, well, then you guys answered this time. <laughs> you were too busy laughing. So he's got very, very specific angle increments in there. And truth be told, this is a hard question for me to answer because... I'm spoiled by the tool set that I have in Finale. You know, mm-hmm. I've, I've always created my parabola using Finale's angle tools. So, I mean, it takes the guesswork out of figuring what my angles are. Now, with that said, 
last conversation that I had with Tim Jamison at CobraCon last year talking about parabolas, he said, don't even, you know, don't f- around with all these goofy angles that those tools produce because they do produce offshoot really odd angles. You know, you'll have one puke out at like 22.8 degrees and you know, all that kind of stuff. Just set it at 20 and be done with it. The actual shaping itself, I've always used the tool set. Either that or I've thrown it on a visual piece of software and I've just messed with it on the timeline and messed with my spacing between positions until I feel like I have the angle that makes the most sense for whatever shape I'm trying to convey. And I know that's a garbage answer because it doesn't help him at all. I don't know, Jamie, if you have any specifics. No, I, uh, I love my visual tool. Um, <laughs> yeah, AJ, and, and, I mean, drawing it out, knowing your angles, you know, again, that's a visual tool, drawing it and see where the lines intersect and cross over. But you also need to know your your distances of of your comet so you can see where it's going to fade out for that for that final peak point. Mm-hmm. Phone a friend. Phone a friend. Plug this into the timeline. And phone a friend. We'll get like, Jim to answer that next week. What's a parabola? <clears throat> I, I guess this is the question that's never going to go away. I feel like we're going to get another ding in the rhythm chat. <laughs> Guys, that well, sucked. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if this, if this is the person I'm thinking about, and it's the same one because it sounds like it. The way he explained the total degrees, like it wasn't where you and me will talk about, you know, shooting an angle of like negative seventy five. To him, it's a hundred and fifty degree angle. Yeah, so right. he's thinking total roundabout, and that's exactly how he was talking to me. And I was getting confused when he was telling me that in the messenger. I'm like the hell is he talking 150 degrees that's pointing straight down almost but then as he took a picture and sent it to me which i just sent to you guys to understand <clears throat> i don't I, think, I think he's that's... using standard comets this well, guy's from yeah. canada <laughs> uh, uh, look at you with the metric system now remember <laughs> we're in the united states we're the weird ones <laughs> i, I think well, it's... i'm talking about for his effects he's not yeah, like, yeah the comets he has there aren't the same comets that we're able to use so that was something I, uh, yeah. maybe he didn't understand me in text. So if this is I don't that know. same this guy. Is given that it is the same guy, but let's be real here. I mean, how many times on any forum period have people said, hey, you know, how, how far do you guys space your fronts and what angles do you angle each of them to in order to create this parabolic curve that is so popular you know, like this, just your really big wing pattern, you know, that you see in just about every display. It's everybody wants to know how to create that. So let's see, like if we put the the who out of our minds for a minute, I think really what it winds up boiling down to is like the, the presentation wow. of like angles at like 125 degrees and 150 degrees and all that. I mean, that sounds like somebody who isn't necessarily using visual design software, which, you know, that said, doing what Jamie said earlier you know, if you have a piece of graph paper or, you know, go out and get on Google and look up parabolic curves and just kind of look up the science behind defining parabolic curves, I'm quite sure there's probably tools out there too. And honestly, if you want the exact angles, just message me your spacing apart and what comments you're using and I'll plug it in the finale and see what 
works best. Oh, don't Beautiful. say that, Jamie. You're going to get flooded with emails. Beautiful. You My said it, not email me. email address is afraidapostaboy at gmail.com. Hey, what are you talking about? I showed um, when we were on Discord the other week weekend, remember? No, but it's going to matter on your distance, what your, how many positions you have, whether it's five, seven, nine, 11, the more, the better, and how far apart they are on where you can actually cross those points. So it looks like a parabolic. Mine's that, like 33 it's also, feet. It's also going to depend on how far that effect shoots. Right. Your, your 30 millimeter comments versus your 50 millimeter comments are night and day. Well, and if this, we were talking about, if this is the same guy from Canada that we I talk to every once in a while, they don't get the pro line like we do. So the comets that he's shooting that we were talking about, they only go 15 to 20 meters. So when he was saying his sights were, what do you say, 20 feet apart times five, that's perfect. I don't think they would have been feet apart if he's in Canada. Oh. Uh, I'm going off messenger. Sorry. I'm going off what he told me in messenger. I swear he said feet. Didn't he say feet in there? I don't know. Why are you getting so hung up on who it is? Just, just I'm not because I want to answer the right question. Focus. You are. I swear that's him, man. It's, all right, you know what? He's going to hear this and he'll be like, yep, that was me. I'll be like, I knew it. <laughs> what are we talking about? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Good, good starting places um uh, try nine positions <laughs> and if you're canadian you take my <laughs> dumb american uh unit Colzac. of measurement here and Colzac. figure it into whatever <laughs> works for you <laughs> in your part of the world um what 28 to 30 feet between each position if you have that much space i mean that's given you got a really big site but whatever mm-hmm. i mean that's a good starting point good starting point 28, 30 feet, go 20 feet if you want to get really close. I mean, the more points of origin you have along a parabolic curve, the more defined the curve is going to be. Because mathematics. AJ just buy the fireworks and test his angles that he has available. That's right. Still mall. Test them all. But if we buy them all in Canadian dollars and save ourselves money. AJ likes testing. This is true. That's not true. That was from Dodgeball. You remember that scene where he's like, well, why don't we just pay the debt off in Canadian dollars and save us money? He's like, dude, if you want to go that route, we're actually going to pay you like 20% more. But, but AJ, you're going to have to test in the region that they're from. So you get the right, you know, pressures and, you know, humidity oh my God. Levels to make sure everything's <laughs> correct. Cause we know how important accuracy is to you. Oh my God. So we, you, we don't want you to give, our listeners the wrong information. Well, so that's why I said it questions. We don't have yeah. the answer at this moment, but AJ will get that for you. Yeah, yeah, we'll open up a GoFundMe to send AJ to Canada so he can make sure all the <laughs> barometric pressures are correct when he exactly. shoots his angles. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, well, if that is the guy that has oh named my God. Alrighty, gang. Thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight on the Rhythm Pyro podcast. It's uh, it's always fun. Uh-huh. Hopefully, we didn't get too deep into you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what she said. Stop talking about it. Yeah, please, AJ. Do you stop talking about it. Please stop talking about it. 
It's a guy. It's a dude from Canada, bro. I know it.